VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. Oh, I am your host. I am certainly right here, and I'm delighted <laughs> to listen to this music. I've been listening to the theme music for 20 years now. This is 20 years that Waking Up in America has been on the radio, and um, really, Bent Meigen, you wrote this song just for us, and you did such a good job, and um, just thank you, thank you, thank you, and to... Dear Maggie, our feng shui master up there in Santa Barbara, we love you. And uh, I don't know if I want to get instantly mushy with our guest today, but we have Harvey mm-hmm. Wasserman, who's had a career that is one um, well, I would certainly wouldn't have minded aspiring to if I'd had the direction or the wherewithal. I, I think he's had a brilliant life. And we're delighted to have you here today. We're waking up in America, and we're a radio team magazine, and um you're the listener listening at the corners of this conversation, and we hope you're listening to a conversation that you find intriguing. Our radio experts, Cherie Ross, Debbie Ringshop, and I, Dr. Val Kirkgaard, are here to be of service to you and to create some very interesting conversations in the area of finance, health, and um, with regards to the particular guests that we have on any given Wednesday. Uh, Thank you for all of your compliments and comments on Waking Up in America. And one of the things that we can do is if you have any schools or uh, like our USC school has a, has a radio station there, Santa Monica City College does, if you have any connections to those and you'd like to hear Waking Up in America on what we call, you know, on a land station, uh, contact your your stations to find out if they'd like to play us and we'd be happy to send them MP3 files every week and you could have us, you could turn your friends on who don't have computers to us right there in your hometown and that's a pretty nice thing to do. Uh, you'll like the people that are on the show if you're just a new listener. They come from all fields, from Olympic champion Mark Spitz to Marcella Von Harding, the internationally known nutritionist to uh, Carol Channing, Deepak Chopra, Bob Strakosta. You like shopping? Bob Strakosta has been here. What excellent human beings, and we've had a lot of Olympic champions, and gosh, if you want to see all the people that have shared their wit and wisdom and their hearts with the listeners of Waking Up in America, visit our website at wakingupinamerica.com. There you'll also find our Saturday show, which is Vital Issues on 11. This week we've got an exciting crew led by uh, Ed Asner and Eric Schein, and Harvey's going to be there too. So we're delighted about how that's shaping up. And we're basically going to be talking about creating a green and winning world on this particular show today. I want to let Harvey introduce himself. I think you should just pick up that telephone right now and say, listen, because if you're listening to us on Wednesdays noon in California, this is the live show. If you're hearing this at any other time in another place, then you're listening to one of our recordings. So. Uh, you can join us live every Wednesday right here on Waking Up in America, and you can join us Saturday live at 11 o'clock on the Voice America Business Channel with Vital Issues. So there you go. Visit our website. Keep a paper and pen handy because there will be names and numbers that you'll want to jot down. And uh, right now, oh, my gosh, Harvey, dear Harvey, <laughs> you fell like a miracle into my lap. Uh, hold on one second. Oh, here, my miracle took a second off here. Uh, let me read to you. Yes. Well, you're a miracle, too. <laughs> That's you know I'm the, what the miracle is, too? I found a good picture of you. A what? Actually, Damien found a good picture of you. 
Oh, cool. We have. I don't know if you got your e-card or not, uh, but we got a nice picture of you with an American flag in the background yet. Oh, God, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it's, it's right there. You look. Was I wearing it or smoking it? Um, that was not the day you were smoking it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you must have seen that thing that's going around on the Internet, and we'll talk about that on Saturday. Uh, right now, we call today's show a song for Solartopia. So before we tell any more about Harvey, let's just play that clip, a little teeny clip of Pete Seeger beginning to create with Harvey the topic we're going to be talking about today. So, Adrian... We'll learn how to so there you are. <laughs> Fantastic. In his living room, by the way. In his living room? Where was it? Yeah, I was in his living room. Um, uh, we're, you know, we're just, as you said, we're creating the anthem for Solartopia, which is a world in which there are no fossil or nuclear plant, uh, fuels, and uh, pollution of all sorts is banned. Nothing can be produced without uh, having it be recycled or reused. And, uh, you know, that's the year of, of, we're aiming for the year 2030, which I don't think we can uh, go beyond, given the what's being done to the carrying capacity of our planet. Well, right now I'm looking at the little card we sent out for you, so let me read it to you, Harvey. Okay. The little card says, Free Press, Senior Editor and Superpower of Peace, columnist Harvey Wasserman is also a Senior Advisor to Greenpeace USA and the Nuclear Information and Resource Service. He is author or co-author of six books, including four on nuclear power and renewable energy and two histories of the United States. We'll have to ask you about that sometime. Okay. Harvey's journalistic writings and columns have appeared in major newspapers and magazines worldwide, and he has worked as a radio talk show host. Good voice. I knew that was a good voice. <laughs> had appeared on Thank you. radio and TV programs over the years. He has also spoken to the several hundred campus and citizen gatherings for peace, justice, and environmental sanity. And the thing that went through my mind when I saw two histories was mm-hmm. like, did you not like the first one? Uh, I love the first one. And um, uh, the first one was uh, called Harvey Wasserman's History of the United States. It was written in my hippie commune um, uh, in the early 1970s, published by Harper and Row, and had a foreword by Howard Zinn, the great Howard Zinn. Well, so you're and, a hippie suit? What's that? I said, are you a hippie with a suit? No, uh, no suit. No suit? <laughs> Sorry about Are that. Are you the picture I'm looking at? You even have a tie on. Oh, my God. That must have been a real weak moment. Um, Maybe you were testifying or something because it kind of looks like that. Oh, it's possible, yeah. Um, I did in front of you, and then you have on a blue shirt and a tie and a jacket and then your glasses, and then there's an American flag behind you. Man, I'd like to see that picture. That, maybe that's when I was uh, uh, mugged. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, so, uh, no, I rarely wear a tie, uh, if I can at all help it. Uh, so um, the uh, the idea of Solartopia, which you mentioned and which Pete is singing about, is a planet where we have won the solar revolution. It's meant to be a futuristic classic like Ecotopia or The Time Machine or Looking Backward. Uh, brave new world, or we call it brave renewable world, um, and the thesis basically is that 
we have no choice but to get rid of all fossil and nuclear power, and we have to ban all forms of pollution and waste, or we're just not going to make it. And the flip side is also that by doing that, we will guarantee ourselves a genuine prosperity, and that's oh, you know, totally. really what we need to do. Totally. You know, I, I was talking to Peter Laveau. Do you know who he is? No, I'm sorry, I don't. He is the uh, executive director <clears throat> of the Institute of Colonomics that was Dennis Weaver's organization, and his uh-huh. particular interest happens to be um, they're taking, the, Debbie has one of the small ones, these machines that pull water out of the air. Debbie, you're uh-huh. about two gallons, It'll hold ideally, up. or what? Um, up to ten. Up to ten. Uh, she's working on it right now, but she pulls um, about one and a half right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're taking it out of the out of the air and then they're taking they're taking windmills into the windy areas. So let's say that a disaster happens, right? They yeah. roll in with one of these windmills and they roll in with some of this machinery and the windmill will drive the machinery. The machinery makes water and the windmill makes electricity, so they just bring instant water and electricity into these disaster areas. That's good. I like that. That's bloody amazing. Yeah. I and mean, that makes me feel like I'm in the 21st century to hear that. Well, we are, actually. Yeah, no, but Time, it's like, times, feel like times are wasting. It's like, where's our technological? I listen to these absurd conversations that I've been listening to 50 years, but they're getting worse because we use more plastics. We, I mean, haven't you ever just wanted to, I'm sorry to say this, but beat up the person that created those plastic wrap packages? It's amazing, isn't it? You can't open anything anymore. I, I actually had to get a saw. There are two pairs of pliers, and do you know what it was for? To get a screwdriver out. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I'm literally, it took me 20 minutes and, th- and four different pieces of equipment to do it, and I finally ended up sawing the thing because my scissors wouldn't do it. Right, right. Yeah. No, that happens all the time. So in Solartopia, there will be no such thing. Um, everything that's produced uh, must be completely recyclable and reusable, and there will be no fossil fuels and no nuclear power, and we, have, we, will, have, we will have defeated King Kong. <laughs> King Kong is coal, oil, nukes, and gas. And I actually have just developed a wonderful cartoon of this giant gorilla. I don't know when the last time you saw the original King Kong is. There have been three now. Uh, they keep getting worse, by the way. Don't they? Uh, the, but the original one, there is a, um, a King Kong destroys a subway uh, car in Manhattan. Now, it happens to be, you know, above ground, uh, but it's part of the subway system, and he just trashes this thing. And we use that as an allegory for... Um, the destruction of the mass transit system by the uh, by the by Standard Oil and General Motors, which they did in this country, it's actually the ecological crime of the 20th century. The number one ecological crime of the 20th century was the conscious destruction of the mass transit system. You know, and I my direct experience of that, Harvey, is living in Los Angeles. Okay, I live yes. in Santa Monica, and I used to my parents would drop me off when I was like nine or ten. We didn't have to worry about being kidnapped by rapists or anything in those days. And they would drop us off in Beverly Hills. We would take the red line down to my aunt's in Hollywood and hop off. That was it. Straight line. Yeah. Us the nickel. Yeah. Well, it's also f- featured, and you know. And belching buses instead and took out all the red cars and charged us like three times as much. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, you know, the whole interstate highway system, which is the most expensive public works project in world history, is at the root of our addiction to foreign oil. And, um, you know, it was completely done. It was actually inspired by Hitler, by the way, because when Eisenhower 
came to uh, conquer Germany, thankfully, uh, at the in, in World War II, he discovered the autobahns, you know, which which Hitler built. Hitler built the first freeways, I didn't know that. and they were designed to help him move his troops around. And of course, when the Allies came, uh, they helped us move our troops around. But then Eisenhower thought it was such a great idea when he became president, and when the mass transit system was destroyed, he just built us a series of German autobahns. Huh. And that's that's where the freeway system comes. Well, from. what does Solartopia see as that evolving into? Or well, we need to rebuild Solartopic world. Well, there's a Solartopian trinity, uh, which is uh, solar power, uh, mostly photovoltaic cells, which convert uh, sunlight directly to electricity, and um, wind power, which, of course, we have a huge, booming worldwide industry in wind power. And by the way, the American Wind Energy Association will have its national wind power convention in Los Angeles in early June. There will be really? about six, 7,000 people there. It's really worth going to see. You can get a day pass. And uh, you'll be staggered by the size of the American wind industry. And then um, uh, by biofuels. Uh, now, we, we do have ethanol and diesel going around, but they're made with the wrong crops right now. Ethanol is being made with corn, and diesel is being made with soy. And in the future, you know, we will not have our renewable energy fuels made with annual food crops. It's highly inappropriate. I mean, ethanol and, and will be cellulosic. The number, the cellulose from the rather than the ears of corn will be the um, the fuel base, and uh, the, the primary plants will be switchgrass, which is a perennial um, prairie grass, and hemp, now, which is uh, everybody everybody listening knows that all you have to do to plant hemp is throw the seeds in the ground. So, <laughs> watch out! Know. We don't want to lose you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It's legal in Canada and Germany, industrially. I mean, the United States, because of the Neanderthals in the White House, uh, you know, can't deal with this. But hemp is one of the truly great energy fuels, energy crops. And uh, not only the stalks, but also the seeds. I heard it's really good for making clothing as well. Fabulous. I have a pair of hemp pants, actually. Last, supposedly, way, way, way longer. Yeah, they will not wear out. And then, of course, after you're done with them, you just cut, cut them up and smoke them. <laughs> you know, you know I'm very interested. I didn't expect to get into this conversation, but I, I became a therapist back in the 1980s, early 80s. And I will tell you, um, I never had, I never worked with a person that smoked grass that had the same problems to any minor degree. In fact, I found them more creative than, say, the people that were using alcohol. So I thought, oh no, alcohol is the worst. I have uh, five daughters. Two of them are 20 now. I have twins. And I've told them repeatedly, you know, don't use any of this stuff. But if you're going to use a mind-altering substance, you know, hemp or marijuana is at the top of the list. Uh, uh, alcohol may be second, and then the worst is tobacco, which is, you know, the that's, ultimate killer. So, but, um, so have, you, have you seen figures on all of this stuff that we're talking about right now, or is this just a conversation we're having? Oh, no, no, no. I've been in the wind industry for a while, and, uh, you know, I go to the uh, trade shows, and uh, I was inspired to write Solartopia because I have seen the phenomenal growth of the uh, renewable energy industry. I mean, basically, renewable energy will be to this country in the next 25 years what the dot-coms have been in the past 25 years. I mean, sit yourself down and imagine the world in 1982, 25 years ago, and have somebody explain to you the Internet and personal computers. Oh, God. I mean, you, get nothing, you get nothing but blank stares. Exactly. And, if they, and they tell you you're crazy, right? So now we are so much further along uh, with renewables than we were back then. And, you know, the potential is, I won't say unlimited, people 
criticize me for that, but it's gargantuan. You know, <laughs> we were talking earlier um, before the show, and one of the things that I, I'm curious about, astounding things, in fact, that you've seen as a senior advisor with Greenpeace, and one of the things I was telling you was a you know, Kodak memory in my life was all those people that came together to get the whales turned around and also people that helped with seals and things like that. Like, I'm looking to see, from your point of view as a senior advisor, how our average citizen or even our non-average citizen, how they can actually jump in and, and, and um, help here. Well, it's political. We have to shut down the nuclear plants. That's the number one thing. Okay. Nuclear power is the most dangerous and costly um, boondoggle going on in this world today. I mean, here, you know, they're yapping about going to war with Iran to keep them from building nuclear plants, and then they're turning around and wanting to build a new generation of them here. It's insane. You know, especially uh, when you find out about depleted uranium, but let's take the nuclear power and the depleted uranium and stick them over on vital issues for today. Okay. okay. Because what I want to do, because we've got such a short period of time here, Harvey, is I want to know what kind of green things. I got that we should stop nuclear power first, and I'm put that at the head of the list. What's number two? Uh, well, making the conversion now, we have to revive. I, to me, the number two is reviving mass transit. Okay, and reviving. That's a huge. That, of course, again, is a huge job. So, uh, what people in California, you know, uh, have a big leg up. You have a, a wonderful system of subsidies and, and credits for uh, going green, and it's eminently doable in California. And where are our subsidies coming from? The state. Our, so our state is doing it. Yeah, the state, the state system. I mean, Schwarzenegger, for all his lunacy, has uh, actually been pretty good on these issues. Well, part of the reason is he has Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for a brother-in-law. Bobby Kennedy wrote the uh, introduction for Solartopia. Really? Um, and Bobby, Bobby's a wonderful guy and I knows the issue. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. He knows the issue. And uh, he, well, Bobby. Well, set of circumstances, Bobby and I actually had the chance to work out together, and he just told me about working out with Arnold and various things. <laughs> that him. So, uh, but he, t- Bobby, also has been explaining a lot of this to Art Schwarzenegger, and uh, the fact is that the economic future of this country uh, relies on the conversion to renewables. It's not like this kind of green namby pamby, you know, do gooder stuff. We have no economic future without converting to renewable energy. It's just we, you know, we will be bankrupt if we do not uh, go to solar, wind, tidal, geothermal, all these things. Aren't we bankrupt already? Uh, not quite. Not as a nation. No. Although, give uh, give Bush another term, and it wouldn't take very long. In fact, I don't know if we'll make it through the next two years with him in there. But uh, um, you know. Now, what will we have? Now, that's a good point. Okay, so you say obviously you're thinking of something that you that he's doing or not doing when you say that. What could we do? To bring to bring our attention to things because right now people are beginning to wake up and say I want to make a change here. Where would we have to stand up and speak up in order of preference as far as you're concerned? Well, politically, in big picture politics, we should stop the construction of any and all coal and gas fired and oil fired plants. I mean, okay. Those are the energies of the past, and they need to be stopped immediately. And then we've got to work, you know, politically to shut them down. Um, I think the making cars more energy efficient is overrated. I think what we really need is a revival of mass transit. That's harder for an individual to do, but, you know, people can buy hybrids. And, and the real thing to buy is a bicycle, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, although in L.A. it's tough, I'm sure. I can do it here in Columbus, Ohio, where I live, but um, and I ride my bike a lot. It's very good. Um, 
But, uh, you know, we also, as you can say, uh, avoid uh, certain packaging. Energy-efficient light bulbs are a big deal. Well, we get uh, compact fluorescence, you know, regular fluorescence, uh, they make a big difference over the old incandescents, and, and uh, there's a lot of energy savings to be had there. And, and also, you know, recycling is important. These are things that people can do individually. Um, uh, checking the uh, energy efficiency of your refrigerator, by the way. Uh, refrigerators use about 20% of the electricity in a home. Do you do that through the electric company then? No, you just buy a better refrigerator. Uh-huh. The electric companies, companies have been dragging their feet. You know, on the one hand, they've got to look good and say they're for the environment. But on the other hand, they're in the business of selling electricity. Right. Like I, in California, people really can very seriously consider um, uh, solar panels especially solar water heaters. Um, solar water heating is the first um, no-brainer. It, it pays back immediately uh, and because uh, they work. They've been around a long, long time. At one time, it was illegal to build a house in Florida without a solar water heater. Oh, that's, that, should, that would be a good thing. I want to check with our other editors because I'm sure they've got some questions they want to ask because I could keep you forever. Um, <laughs> Cherie, do you have any questions you'd like to ask of Harvey here? Let Debbie go first because I'm in a loud area, so I'm going to switch here. Right. So, Deb, it's your big moment. <laughs> well, Harvey, I know that Val asked part of my questions as far as um, what politically we can do. Are there any actual bills in Congress or anything like that that people could write to their congressmen at this particular moment to help push anything through? Well, it's all been squashed under, you know, dare I say it, uh, this guy in the White House, but I won't go further, but... Um, and so we, we just now had a changeover, and there is, there's going to be a series of bills coming up, and people have to watch uh, the websites and uh, the environmental groups to see what's coming. I mean, there's more there than I can even begin to to mention. What's well, your uh, website in particular? And by the way, we can... well, Greenpeace has a good one, uh, Greenpeace.org. Um, you, you can look at that one and, and start there. There are also the trade associations, American Wind Energy Association, AWEA.org, uh, American Solar Energy Society, ASES.org. Uh, they will, they will, one always leads to the other. And uh, I will soon, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have SolarTopia.org uh, going, and we will post uh, important legislation there as well. Oh, that's cool. My yeah, most cool. important question, too, is for those of us that were back um, growing up in the 70s and 80s and whatever, we heard a lot about what Greenpeace was doing, saving the whales and things of that sort. What else is going on with Greenpeace? I haven't heard a lot lately. Well, we're working, we're working the whales again, actually, and doing a lot of energy stuff. And, uh, of course, we're fighting uh, this, this uh, faker, uh, Patrick Moore, who claims to have been a founder of Greenpeace and wasn't. And uh, is running around supporting nuclear power, and of course the media is eating it up. Uh, so you know we have to deal with that. But, but what is uh, the story? Where did he come from? Hunger. <laughs> no, he uh, he was um, a member of Greenpeace many many years ago. Was temporarily the president and was driven out of office, and uh, you know has become a turncoat. There was a wonderful, a, a true founder of Greenpeace named Bob Hunter called him the Judas of the environmental movement. I mean, we, we, you have those people, and that's the way it goes. So Greenpeace is still out there fighting nukes, and I also work with a wonderful group called the Nuclear Information and Resource Service in Washington, D.C., uh, where I attended a great banquet not long ago with Ed Asner. And, uh, you know, everybody needs to find their particular niche that they like and that they're comfortable with. And I will say that environmental issues are winnable. It's one of the great things about being an environmentalist is that we keep winning these things. And, uh, you know, 
what's really on our side is that the economics uh, are there for the environment. What I've found, in, uh, I became an environmentalist in 1973 when uh, the local nuclear plant, local utility said they were going to build a nuclear plant four miles from our house. Uh, frankly, I was thrilled. <laughs> it was really, I knew we'd win and I knew it would be a lot of fun and, um, and I've been doing it ever since actually. And, and so, uh, what, the, the way people really should act, I think, or that's, that I've found most productive is to pick a polluter or a particular project in your neighborhood, uh, that you, uh, want, want out, uh, either to stop the construction of or to shut down and just do it. Yeah, so. Just go at them, you know, and pick, pick a target and win it. And then pick another one after that and win it. And uh, that was at the conference you and I were at. Debbie, do you remember her story? Liz and her family. They actually they were going to use their neighborhood for a nuclear waste drop drop off. Yeah. And they do that. The residents got together and it didn't happen. And and it was smart. I don't think they realized that we were talking about a two hundred million year shelf life or whatever for that junk. Right. 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 But I want to make sure Cherie has a. Opportunity to ask you a question or two because we're just about <laughs> we're about out of your time. So, Cherie, what you got for this guy? Well, one of the questions that I would really like answered is: people say, "Well, that's all well and good," but one of the things I would like to have answered is how. What can they do on a daily basis? Like, what can they buy different? Because, you know, not everybody goes out and buys a different refrigerator every day. So what are things that, that an individual can do on a daily basis when they're out shopping or when they're just living their life that will make a difference? Well, I like uh, going to the supermarket with my own bags. I know that's a small thing. Uh, we recycle all the paper in the house. Uh, you know, finally, institutions, um, uh, churches, Boy Scout groups, synagogues are taking paper in uh, when i was a kid in the 50s uh you know you always recycled paper now they're doing it again um drive less walk more uh, uh if you can ride a bike more uh, don't leave your car idling um but you know to me uh, these things are important but um uh, and a lot of them were listed at the end of an inconvenient truth but the battle is really with the corporations with with king kong coal oil nukes and gas we have to beat these guys, you know, and, and the, the, the sources of our energy are devastatingly bad. Um, you had in California the blackmail of a, a $100 billion ripoff from a fake uh, energy crisis. And, uh, you know, the issues really are big ones. And uh, certainly everybody can help day to day, but uh, the, real, the real fight is political. And uh, the real fight is economic to get these big corporations uh, out of the uh, our pockets, out of the bad energy they're building, and into the renewables that we know work. And that means increased efficiency. It means solar panels on the roofs. It means biofuels. It means wind power. And uh, and that's that's the solar topian trinity. And that's where we need to go. You know, I think it means being a voice too. You know, for what it is that you want, saying I'm sorry. This, is, this doesn't work for me. And, and one of the things you're addressing, Cherie, <clears throat> is auto sales. You know, for instance, where, when, when you buy your next car, what is it? Right. Well, but, you know, I think people, uh, it's good that people do that. It's important people well, do I'm that. I'm talking about the consciousness that says. The consciousness is there. It's very good, very important. It has you to know. be there. It has to be there across the board. How can I, what can I, you know, what, what am I generating with this electricity that's being used? I'm going after my, I just put in one of the flash water heaters. Turns right. out there's a $300 rebate on it. 
Right. Know that California has a spectacular system of rebates, better than anywhere else in the country. And now I'm going after the electric system, okay? And I can cut my the heating system down by about the cost and the efficiency. I can up the efficiency by a hundred percent and lower the cost by fifty percent. Now those aren't bad figures, you know. Right. Now the energy efficiencies in the house are important. Those are big deals. If you have those energy efficiencies, Harvey, and this is my argument, then you're going to ask for them elsewhere. Right. You're going to uh, you know, you go into a store, you know, hassle store owners, schools, people with kids in school. Um, you know, uh, the schools should be energy efficient. They should you be special. create a everything. fundraiser for your school so they can shift over the uh, the heating system that they've got or whatever. Also, is there are there any good places we can get inexpensive solar panels? Because $40,000 for my house is a big nut for me to crack. Yeah, well, they're coming down in price, and you should look into the rebates um, um, and payoff rebates. also you, uh, from the state. It's and a you can finance the dollar job. The state's going to give back twenty, and my cost out of pocket is forty. Well, um, but you may be able to finance it, and in some cases, there is financing that comes in that's cheaper than that's less than what you save on your bill. Oh. So um, uh, you know you have to, that, those are all things to look into. But well, I, you know I'm a political type of guy, and I think it's important that people do what they can do on a on a daily basis. But it will not we will not get there with everybody you know uh, just buying hybrids and changing out their light bulbs. We have an institutional problem here, and um, uh, that is the the way that the utility companies uh, generate electricity and and uh, the way the big users of uh, in transportation system have stuck us with the automobile. And the automobile is the number one culprit in terms of our um, problem here on this earth and in, in the environment. And it had its century, which was the 20th, and in the 21st, we even, even the hybrid high-energy efficiency cars are not going to make it on their own. We can't have everybody have a high-energy efficient car and still think that it's going to uh, uh, save the, the, the problem here. We need to revive mass transit and uh, not just use what we got because what we got sucks, frankly. Uh, we have to, and that's a big political issue. We have to rebuild our mass transit system. We have to reorganize um, uh, the utility system and put our industries on a footing where nothing is wasted and everything is energy efficient to the nth degree. And that's that's the only way we're going to get to Solartopia. And if we don't get there, we're not going to be on this planet. We're not getting anywhere. Well, we'll get to where we got. Harvey Wasserman, thank you so much for being with us here on uh, Waking Up in America today. You want to hear more conversation with this guy? Tune in Saturday at 11 o'clock California time on the Voice America Business Channel, and you can hop right over there by getting to our website at wakingupinamerica.com and then the vital issues is on the right-hand side of the webpage. Down on the bottom part of the front page and also on the vital issues page is your opportunity to save rainforest, American prairies, and marine wetlands. No cost to you. Click on the website, click in there, and you will save seven square feet. And if everybody does that, we can, we can, um, we can pick it all up here and Look around your house and see what you can do green. Harvey, before we say goodbye totally, is there any place that you want to send people or any particular article? Well, people can write me directly for copies of the my, – my website is not quite up. Uh, W-I-N-D-H-W, that's windhw at AOL.com. If you're interested in buying uh, Solartopia uh, or just talking to me by email, uh, write me there, W-I-N-D-H-W at AOL.com. I'll be glad to get your emails. And those of you that are reviewers in different parts of the world and listening. Yes, I will send you the book. 
um, he will send the book to you um, for you to... By email. You'll have it uh, by return email. Uh And what we want you to do is let your community know about what's happening here because these are good ideas, and if we put our attention on good ideas, we can have them happening. And, Harvey, just thanks for being here, and thanks for being here on planet Earth. I appreciate you. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Let's hope we can stay a little while longer. We'll have some fun with Ed Ed and... um, Eric on Saturday. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Okay, take care. You too. Talk again soon. All right. Well, now, I love that guy. I also have to tell you, I've made my reservations at Roberto's Bungalows in beautiful San Pancho, Mexico for next month because I'm going down there to visit my ever-appreciating Mexican land, my gorgeous ever-appreciating land. And I love to stay with Steve and Diana and... You'll feel like you're visiting their home. They live a couple of blocks from the beach. They've got a nice little swimming pool, and your unit actually comes with all the things that you need to do, a little cooking if you want to and a little partying. There's a little table and places for people to sit down, and I've seen people work on their computers or play cards or just playing party. It's the perfect place to do it. The weather down in San Pancho is just Yesterday I was in Topanga freezing. <laughs> it was raining and I'd gotten wet, and it was 56 or 7 degrees outside, and I was talking to Forrest down there, and I said, so what's the weather? And he goes, 87 in Sweet Val. So I'm inviting you to visit San Pancho, and, and uh, you know, if you want to step out of the rat race and just take a rest, that's a great place to do it. You, the USA telephone number to contact Steve or Diana is one nine seven one two three nine. Four one two zero. That's one nine seven one two three nine four one two zero. Now, if everything was like moving too fast, you couldn't find a pencil and paper, and you'd like to give any of us a message or get any information from us, we have a wonderful toll-free number, and that number is toll-free eight six six radio ninety nine. Once again, toll-free eight six six radio ninety nine. And with that, I am happily moving along to the doctor for money, our own precious Debbie Ringchop, who is always hot on the dollar here. So what have you got for us today, dear heart? There's so many great things out there right now. Um, this is Debbie Ringchop, your doctor for money. Today I think I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, for one, I just found this great little website. It's called energyquest.ca.gov, and then it's a saving energy section. They've got all kinds of cool tips. Listen to this one. This is related to my dishwasher being broken, okay? <laughs> I've got this dishwasher. So you brought it up yourself. <laughs> I know. It says here, according to researchers who are paid to study such things, a load of dishes cleaned in a dishwasher uses 37% less water than washing dishes by hand. However, if you fill up one side of the sink with soapy water and the other side with rinse water and you don't turn the faucet on in between, You'll use half as much water as the dishwasher does. This way, the dishes can save as much money as a five-minute shower. So, you know, here's just another little tip about getting back to doing things the old-fashioned way. One of the things I wanted to talk about was traveling. Um, Right now, there's a convention that's going to be going on in D.C., and I've made some arrangements to... uh, if you look at going to, like, a lot of us have heard about hostels in the past where, you you know, people traveling the countries and world and stuff, and they 
stay at these places. They're backpacking around, and usually it's students and things of that sort. But believe it or not, these hostels are still out there, and there's some pretty nice ones. And um, as a single person, individual, it's probably not the kind of place that most people are thinking of using when they're going to some big cities. But in this case, there's a convention going on literally down the street from this hostel. And I thought, you know, I've been in that part of town. Downtown Washington, D.C. costs 350 to $400 a night for a hotel room. Give me a break. Most of us in this country can't afford those kinds of hotel costs. And you can literally get for 30 to $40 a night a room where you're sharing with other people. But if you bring a whole bunch of people from your group and stay at these places, you can have a good time. you got access to a kitchen. You guys can have your own party. <laughs> and it, it's so cheap. It's so inexpensive. And you can have a good time. You've got safety with you because you've got numbers. Um, it's a great way to travel. The other thing was um, a lot of us were talking about some of our conventions that we have even more locally here in California. We have some things that are down on the coast side. Why not the next time a group of us get on a train instead of all flying and driving individually and all that stuff to get down there? The train station literally is four minutes from the office when you arrive. It's like, you know, so simple for us to get on a train and go places. I was just pricing out what it would cost to go to Salt Lake City from the San Francisco Bay Area. Sixty-five bucks. On the train? On a train. You're on there for about a day. But, you know, if you look at it, if you get a couple of you going and you're all sitting together, you can, first of all, relax take a deep breath, and enjoy a little bit of our countryside, which we don't do often enough. It's that smell the roses kind of idea. But the other part of it is, too, you know, if you build it in as part of your business plan, you can have it cost you almost nothing. And on your way there, you can plan for things that you need to be doing together as a business, you know, even creating a business plan, novel idea. And then on the way back, you can actually be doing some things, too, you know, coordinating, planning things. Most often we find people don't have enough time together to really execute a plan or work on a plan. And this is a great way to just kind of put yourself in a simple, relaxed atmosphere. I mean, the trains, they have um, cars. You can go from car to car, so they always have some kind of a train that has the food and beverages and things of that sort, and they have lookout areas. And you're crossing a gorgeous piece of countryside. I think... People do need to get back into using whatever forms of public transit, and that's a cool way to travel between towns. Well, you know, it's really interesting because when I, after I was talking with Harvey about the red line, uh-huh. I realized that when all the freeways came in, I became disconnected from driving through the cities, so I, like, lost the cities. And recently I've been taking surface streets again rather than the freeways to get places. Mm-hmm. I thought I was bored with California, Okay. In the last six months, I have found five or six of the most charming places that I didn't even know existed because the freeways are so busy whisking me by. You know, I put my foot on the gas and I go. Yep. This other adventure, and this is what I think you're addressing, is even just taking side streets and not being on the freeway and taking more time to get there and seeing what's actually in your world. Definitely. There's there's so many things we can do to get out of being so fast Taste that we know that if you concentrate on working on something, focus on anything, you're able to do.
do more, be more effective. And by us running so fast, such a fast pace, we often don't get a chance to sit down and say, okay, let me really clarify what do I want out of this? What do I want to create? Or do you have any family life? You know, that's another question. If you run too much, do you have any family? True. And on the train, I mean, look at the cost. If you're trying to get five people traveling, you know, three kids and two parents going from city to city and you're paying the cost on an airplane, that's expensive. If you do it on a train, I mean, you could have a great family little vacation just on Yeah, the- with nobody driving except the engineer. Exactly. What a good idea, Dan. You don't have to stop for a pit stop. Train has different So it, it's just, I think people need to get back into looking at um, those types of things besides, of course, your commutes and things of that sort. And whenever possible, telecommuting, using some of the new technology is a great way to, to hold meetings and, and phone calls and conference things. You don't always have to go and be in person. But at times we do need that personal contact. So why not spend a little more time with some of those people and make it fun at the same time? So this was your Doctor for Money with some more tips for having a good time in life and save some money at the same time of becoming more effective out there and hopefully at the same time saving a little more of our environment. So you can reach us, any of us editors, by using our name at wakingupinamerica.com and Debbie is D-E-B-B-I-E. You can write us there or call us toll-free at 1-866-RADIO-99. And uh, definitely go and click on that um, link on our website to save a little bit of the rainforest, et cetera. I just went there a few minutes ago and clicked on one of the ads that's offered after you click. You can see all kinds of things for choosing organic products. I mean, if you want to know what's out there that's, environmentally great, click on this little link and then click on some of the advertisers and you'll find out some cool things that are available. Yeah, the advertisers are actually paying for they're they're paying for your um your click. Exactly. They pay for you to come to see some of their products. They're paying to help save the forest and the, the marine lands and things of that sort. So if you you're looking for any kind of organic product or anything like that, this is a good link to get you there. Totally. And the beauty of it is everybody wins. That's just the kind of stuff Waking Up in America loves, and it's all over the place if you just start to look for it. Absolutely. I'll tell you, Deb, there's a person that sure knows how to make people in her world win. You know who I'm thinking of, right? Absolutely. It's our fabulous, our majestic, our who knows where she's traveling today, Cherie Ross. Hello, everyone. How are you? Oh, where are you today? What part of the country are you in? Actually, I'm back in Minnesota, but that's only for about another 12 hours, and then I'm leaving. I'd like to put a a trail on you just to find out where you fall. We could follow you on a live map or something. (laughs) Can you trace moving cars? I'm leaving for Portland, and you want to hear something really awesome, Deb? I'm taking the train back from Ah, Portland. This is what's really, really amazing. It is less expensive for Steve and I to take the train from Portland to Whitefish than it is for one of me to fly. So to bring two people back on the train, it's less expensive. And we get on the train at 4.30 in Portland. We have dinner because dinner is included. You go to sleep in your little sleepy bunkie. Um, and you also, by the way, they also provide many, many movies for families. They have different family events on the train. 
And then we we pull into Whitefish at 7.30 in the morning. This is really good. And we get off right at the base of the mountain. We have our car right there waiting for us, and back we go to do our to to keep working out in Montana. So it's um it, it's very cost effective, um, an amazing way to travel. I highly encourage people to take the train. And what's most important is you meet the most wonderful, wonderful family oriented people on the train. Just I can't speak highly enough of the train. So good job, Deb. Yeah. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about another aspect since we've been talking about pollution and earth-friendly and really getting our, 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 the health of our planet back into balance. We're going to do that because whatever is polluting our planet is also polluting our bodies, and I, and I cannot speak enough about that. But specifically today I'm going to talk about one ingredient in antibacterial soaps, and that is called triclosan. There's also the sodium lauryl sulfate, sodium lauryl sulfate. There's uh, sodium copolyol, many of those nasty little toxic chemical detergents. But in triclosan, triclosan is in every antibacterial um, product, whether it's the hand sanitizers from Purell, whether it's the hand soaps, whether it's the laundry detergents, whether it's the room deodorizers, whatever it's in. One of the challenges that the scientists now are starting to realize is that triclosan acts like a fertilizer to the superbug. To the MRSA, which is methylicin-resistant staph aureus, the staph infection that no antibiotic can touch and it continues to get stronger when you present antibiotics to it. So you mean we're actually causing the things to mutate and grow? There you go. That's it. That's outrageous. And we're paying for it? And we're paying for it. Yep. And And we are getting ourselves sicker in the process. And people say, well, I don't have that. You ready for this? At the University of um, of New York, okay, the University of New York in the medical school there, what they did was they took 100 subjects and they just took skin samples off of them, okay? They took skin samples and found um, just off the arm, the forearm, no big deal, did some swabs, 150 toxic microbes, 150 unhealthy bacteria, very unhealthy that could make you sick. Four days later, they did another swab on the same people, found an additional 65, an additional 65, which means that exactly that. When you're using these antibacterial products, you are actually causing your bu- the bugs on you, the germs on you, to mutate and create even stronger uh, germs. And I'm not just talking germs. I'm talking staph infection. I'm talking toxic mold. I'm talking bacteria. I'm talking viruses. Pretty, pretty amazing, huh? So what do we do to solve it? Well, there's only one thing and one thing alone that has been proven to have a, as close to the FDA, well, let us say, 100% kill factor, and that is the essential oils that, that I'm blessed and many of us are blessed to work with. Not the kind you buy at a health food store, bath and body shop, because those are more for perfume, but the kind that you actually that are the medical grade that are very inexpensive, easy to get. For example, lemon oil. Lemon oil is less than $15 for 250 drops, and you can kill a staph or a strep infection in less than three hours. You can kill pneumonia in 20 minutes with this lemon oil. So, like if you have a sore throat or something? Yep. Put it in water, drink it, put it in a capsule, take it down. The oil blends... Is one way better than the other, or do you do both? Um, I, well, if you have a sore throat, I would put it in water and drink it. But if your tongue doesn't like the strong flavor, because it can be very potent, because it tastes like lemon rinds, okay. see, one drop of lemon oil is equivalent to one pound of organic lemon rind. Really? Yes. Yeah, in nutritional value and potency. Yeah, and taste also. <laughs> so if your tongue can't handle it, then I'd put it in a capsule. 
But otherwise, if you can, if you have a sore throat, the best thing to do is let put it in water and slowly drink it down. So it, it literally fills your throat and it'll go in and, and take care of it. Another one is Steve's essential oil. It's a blend of rosemary, eucalyptus radiata, lemon, okay, clove, and cinnamon. This has been proven to have a 100% kill factor on nine strands of toxic black mold and the MRSA, methylistin-resistant staph aureus, the kind that no antibiotic can kill. And as a matter of fact, you give an antibiotic to it, it will strengthen it. The seeds essential oil will actually kill it. And the seeds, you can get it in a bath soap, so you don't have to be rubbing these essential oils all over if you don't like that, even though they're it's not oily. I hope I never knew that. Yeah, you can, it's in a bath bar. So you can just bathe with it, wash your hands with it, and you're good to go. You can actually wash your, wash your house. Did you know that toxic mold stays on the mold spores? Even after you've had your house demolded, it stays in your carpet, it stays on your furniture, it stays on your draperies, and it will continue to grow more mold spores within 24 hours. This is not and, good. And bleach itself, after after using bleach, 24 hours, you have the exact same mold spores coming back. So bleach won't even do it, but this wonderful thieves oil, and it comes in a very safe, non-toxic cleaner that you can wash your floor with and lay a newborn infant down or a brand-new baby puppy or kitty down on it, and it will not cause them harm. So it's the thieves, then can you spray it? Yes, you can. I didn't know that. Absolutely. There's so many oils. Thyme oil is another one. Clove oil is another one. There's so many, many fun oils that are not oily, they're just liquid nutrients derived from plants that are the highest nutrition the plant has to offer us. But in addition to that nutrition, it brings us an immune capacity. Like if you combine the Green Beret, the Navy Seals, the, you know, England's uh, James Bond force, if you combine the Rangers, the Army Rangers, the best elite teams that every branch of our military or in protection has to offer us. You put that all together in one giant super, the Terminator, the essential oils are like that, only very gentle to the body. Isn't that amazing, Dr. Rao? Sheree, I just think about, could it all really be this simple? It is, and you know what? It is. Not 1%, not even one iota toxicity to the environment. Quite the opposite. It digests the toxic chemicals in the environment. So when you use these oils and and these these oils in these cleaners to actually start to clean, you not only protect yourself and your family and your animals and your loved ones, but what you also do is you start to digest the toxic chemicals that are polluting our land and our air and our waterways. Well, you know, when you mention that, what it makes me think of is when I was doing the hydrogen hard drive and we had the BMWs over here, the hydrogen BMWs. Yes. Um, Jay Leno was drinking water out of the tailpipe of the BMW because the BMW hydrogen car actually cleaned air. So that yeah. the air that came out of the tailpipe was cleaner than the air that went in. It was uh-huh. an air cleaner. And then there was all this baloney. The uh, BMW actually offered to open up the hydrogen fleet in the United States here in California. Wow. They said that all they needed to do that was something like 200 stations. Right. Well, even if these 200 stations cost a million dollars a piece, right. which they don't. They're not that expensive. We could have had hydrogen cars in California cleaning our air for the last 10 years. That would be, and see, this is it. It is this simple, you know, and they, and, and like with the essential oils, they're very inexpensive. They're easy to get. You can, you can carry them in your pocket, in your purse. You can have them at home. It's not something that you have to go make extra trips for. There are things we can do right now, right now, 
simple changes that we will be healthier. We will actually have more money because we won't be spending our money on things that make us sick. Oh, it gets better because we also get to have more time. There you go. We don't have to go get ourselves fixed because we're sick, and we don't have to spend all that misery dragging ourselves around. Exactly. So there is a significant amount of changes that we can make, simple, inexpensive, cost-effective. You know, when you that. say inexpensive, you're not kidding. Yeah. What's the trip to the doc? The, <laughs> the washing machine repairman came over. It cost me $275 to have him replace the switch, right? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. does it cost you to get an essential oil? What's the most expensive essential oil you have? Oh, my goodness, $135 at Rose Oil. And that would be the one. I, that, and the next most expensive oil is what, 60 bucks or something? No, 102. That's Melissa. The average. No, those are outrageous. Yeah, this, are I wanted the top end of the scale yeah. so people would deal with like it doesn't get worse than that, right? And the average is around between 20 and $25. And the with, least expensive? With the majority coming in under $15. Yeah, what's your least expensive oil? $9. $9. So you got to range it from 9 to whatever. Now, if you use those oils on a regular basis, you're not going to be spending 150 on the office visit. Uh, no, not even close. Not even close. Unless yeah. they want to study you, and then maybe they'll pay you to come in. <laughs> when I got my knee operated on, on um, Cherie, the doctor said to me, so what have you been doing? I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you have the bones and muscles of a, of a 16-year-old. Ah, oh, woohoo! You know, like 55, 60, right? Somewhere oh. in there. And what I've been doing is, Essential oils and some other products as well, but it's a conscious thing. I'm not a, I am a miracle, but only because I did the right things, not because it's not available to our listening audience. And you're never too late to start, right, Cherie? You can turn to, when you start to use, when you support nature and use things from nature that are scientifically extracted properly and not harmfully, that are sustainable, you actually have the ability to reverse damage in the body no matter what your age and no matter what the damage. Now, I, I don't know that we can talk about it today in the 12 seconds that we have left, but is um, osteoporosis reversible as well? 100%. Really? So all those people hunched over people? Yes. Like straighten up again? Yeah, but one of the things they have to do is stop drinking their coffee, and most of them won't stop that. Well, that's a perfect place to end <laughs> this particular show here. Um, Debbie, do you have a last thing you want to say before we hop off the air? Just that everybody um, try to keep in touch with one of the websites, whichever one you decide to pick, environmental issues, and just keep keep up with what's going on. You know, I think greenpeace.org. That's pretty. That's a pretty easy thing to do. Easy thing to remember. Greenpeace is in most of our psyches. So um, if you have one to remember, I'd say Greenpeace.org. And our dear Harvey Wasserman hangs out there. That's music you started to hear. That's dear Bent Migan's music again. This program has been produced by Kirkgard Media Inc. Our radio partners, ConeyCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy and Memoriam. Our executive producer, Nathan Jett. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Damien, for your hot and your fabulous e-cards. We appreciate all you guys, Adrian and, and the rest of you over at the Voice America um, full room. And Pete Laubach, you make us look so good. And Jack Abby Katz, you do a rocking job on our website. And to Jeff Spinard at Voice America. And um, Harvey Wasserman, you go, man. We appreciate you. We're turning America green one thought at a time. Oh, God, and there be people. 
Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com. And Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. Hear the music, feel the dance.